Hello and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you listening for the first time, this podcast is a new project created by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution. And, what, and I am one of three hosts having a conversation with members of the dispute resolution community about topic of, topics excuse me, of interest in the field. My name is Rekha Rangachari. I'm the executive director of the New York International Arbitration Center. And prior to that, I worked with the American Arbitration Association and its international arm, the International Center for Dispute Resolution. I'm currently co-chair of the Young Professionals Committee of the section, and I'm delighted today to speak with Gabrielle Hartley. Gabrielle is a leading divorce attorney, founder of the Positive Divorce Movement, and creator of the Better Apart Method. She is known for keeping 99% of her cases at the negotiation table and out of the courtroom. Her new book, Better Apart, The Radically Positive Way to Separate, is the first book of its kind to combine the life-changing healing wisdom of mindfulness, mediation, and yoga with practical advice and legal wisdom to get the reader through and beyond divorce. And so with that brief introduction, we're going to jump right in. Gabrielle, it is such a pleasure to have you on today's podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be here, and it's such an exciting podcast that you're, um, that, that you're hosting. I'm excited about it to listen to everybody. And, and I also want to plug, um, for those listening in, uh, Gabrielle is co-chair of the ABA's section of Dispute Resolutions Journal. So to the degree that you are taking pen to paper and drafting, Gabrielle is a point of contact for you. Um, so do keep that in mind. Um, so Gabrielle, let's start at the beginning. Often um, for our listeners, the journey is as important as the accomplishments right now. And so how did you get involved in this line of work and practice, uh, dealing with divorce, um, um, and keeping things out of the courtroom? Did it begin in law school? Oh, gosh, it's hard to know where to start. So, so I grew up with divorced parents, and divorce was very much a theme of my entire life as far back as I can remember it. My parents did it really well, and, and they talked a lot about how um, my brother and I were always... Um, first on their agenda. And, um, you know, as a kid, I didn't necessarily always experience everything as um, smooth and easy as they kind of portrayed it to be. And so when I, when I went to law school, I actually took family law pass fail because I was just pretty done with the topic. Um, but of course, as fate or the universe or whatever you believe in would have it, I found myself shortly thereafter working for a top judge in New York City, resolving hundreds and hundreds of hotly contested trial-ready divorce cases. And um, that is where I just, um, I realized that I had a skill and a love for helping people take messy, messy, complicated situations and if not completely turning them around, at least navigating them in a way that mitigated the damages that were going to be caused going forward. So that, you know, I, I never, even then after I stopped working with the judge and before I went to the judge, I never really enjoyed the litigation process as it pertains to um, families. I, I don't think it's appropriate in many circumstances, although obviously there are times where it's necessary and it is the only way to go forward. Um, I think that for the vast majority of cases, if the people are 
are led by really competent attorneys, there's usually a reasonable resolution that can be attained. Sure. Well, let's stick with, you know, that idea that you start out first in the courts, you're doing um, contentious litigations, uh, working for a judge. What comes next then? So you leave that cognizant that um, this is not the right arena, that you want to take it to a different platform, perhaps ADR. And so after working with the judge, where do you go next? So after I worked for the judge, I, um, I actually relocated. I, I um, opened Hartley Law and Mediation. And, you know, I had that little voice in the back of my head saying, you know, I was so good at resolving the unresolvable case, but maybe I was only really good at it because I had the threat of the judge right in the other room, right? So people were like, oh gosh, if I don't settle it now, remember it's New York City, so it's going to cost $25,000, if you know, each to go to trial. So, um, you know, there's that little pesky voice saying, I was able to resolve it because I had the threat of the judge. But actually what I quickly learned is, um, by diffusing the situation and doing lots and lots of active validating in my role as mediator, um, I, I, I just, I still had the skill. It wasn't all about the judge. And so that sort of brought me to the next level in my, my mediation practice. But still then, after years and years of mediating with, with dozens and dozens and dozens of families going through the divorce process, I really wanted to create um, a platform that gave permission to young lawyers and mediators to have the confidence that this was a, a real method and that divorce, while not easy, could be the springboard for positive transformation. And I also created um, the Better Apart Method, which looks at life through these five lenses and you reconnecting with yourself on a deeper level through the lens of patience, respect, clarity, peace, and forgiveness, so that when you come out on the other side of the divorce, you are yourself only better. And that's, that's where the idea of better apart comes from. Do you find that there are um, recurring themes um, in divorce proceedings, items that you often will find um, time and time again that you're ready to hone in on? Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, everybody is concerned with managing the children and financial extrication on a sort of macro level. You know, who's going to keep the house? What happens with the pension? Where, you know, who makes decisions around where the children go or what religion they're raised or, you know, all, all kinds of decisions around that. And then on the micro level there, a lot of it depends on where you live. You know, I know when I worked on Staten Island in New York, there were certain issues that maybe don't come up as much as they do in Western Mass, um, just because of customs in particular areas. Same thing, I worked in Syracuse for a period of time, yet different issues there. But, but on, on a global level, people want the feeling of being included in the process. Nobody wants to feel like they are um, totally excised from the role of parent. In fact, in lots of places, they've gone from calling agreements custody agreements to parenting plans. I, I wanna also um, come back to um, two items that you had previously talked about. So, you, you know, you go through uh, this process of what it means um, 
conscious uncoupling and, and talking through things like respect, clarity, grief, forgiveness. Does it um, parallel in some ways Kubler-Ross's how we go through grief? So I, I, I talk about Kubler-Ross in the book um, because grief is absolutely necessary. You know, this is not like you know, put a bow on your life and, and step away from the sense of grief. You have to go through the stages of grief to come out on the other side. This is almost like a parallel track. And what the method addresses is building a habit over time. So it's like, you know, you may start with a positive mantra, for instance, you know, like maybe you feel really activated. And so you're going to tell yourself, I'm radiantly calm, right? You're going to wake up and say, I'm radiantly calm. You're going to eat your lunch or take your shower and you're going to tell yourself, I'm radiantly calm. While maybe you're going for an afternoon jog, I'm radiantly calm, I'm radiantly calm, right? And then when something happens, it doesn't mean you're actually calm. It just means that you're in the habit of messaging yourself that you are calm. And so when the next triggering circumstances, for instance, comes up, you are already accustomed to telling yourself you're calm and it's easier to access. And then in the moment, it's not like you're suddenly going to be a different person, but you're going to have the strength of mind to take a few steps back, take that breath, take that pause, and then respond with just a little bit more clarity, a little bit more calm, a little bit more reflectiveness. So that is not intended to say, okay, well, we're not going to go through anger, denial, bargaining, you know, all the steps that we have to go through, but they're like contemporaneous tracks. And to start with, you may be focused more in the grief process because it's just too much. And over time, you may transition into up-leveling how you feel and bringing your own process, your own life to the next level. You know, um, it's funny, um, the, the New York Post compared Better Apart to Marie Kondo's tidying up. And I was like, well, I'm not sure that breaking up exactly sparks joy, but it truly can be the launch pad to something better if you use it as the opportunity. Fair enough. I actually was going to raise the Marie Kondo reality, but um, I'm glad you brought it up. Any, I think of our listeners may have tuned in uh, <laughs> as Marie Kondo helps tidy folks' homes and um, really ask them what sparks joy. So we can find those parallels, you know, even as we look to conscious uncoupling. I also wanted to ask about, um, you used this phrase, active validating and mediation um, earlier. And I was just curious what that, what that means. Well, so like what it means, you know, when, when you're resolving a, a case, we all have our different sense of reality, right? Like everyone in the room. And in fact, there's not just two sides who say, you know, his, hers, and the truth, but that's not actually the case. There's like, you know, the two, maybe there are two lawyers and a mediator. We all have, the, those are three people with different perspectives, even if we're aligned with one or the other, we still have our own worldview, right? And then, and then there's the, the collective um, truth and then there's the participants truths and so like validating the participants truth when you are in the role of the mediator is the only way that that person is going to actually feel heard and once once people feel heard as I'm sure you're well aware um, that's where we can start to shift off of our positions but until we feel heard it's like there's a loop in our minds that just keeps 
replaying that same story that we so badly want, um, have a desire to be validated. That's why some people have to go to court just because they need the judge to hear them. They need to feel like there's truth. And, and almost like by magic, if you engage in a sort of um, truncated active listening exercise with the parties during a mediation, um, you can really diffuse the tension and that's where the magic happens. I, I noticed when I work for the judge, sometimes you would just reflect back something as simple as, you know, it may feel like everything you've done for the last 10 years feels kind of like a lie right now. And then you quickly turn to the other party and say, I'm not saying it was a lie. I'm just saying, you know, he or she feels like it's a lie. And then, you know, the person who feels it may even cry a little. And just by, by me saying, you know, hearing, you know, I feel like everything I did was for nothing because I wasn't even with somebody who was actually a participant in the relationship. Just by saying that back to them, they feel validated and then we can move forward and start sorting the, the situation out. Sure. Um, you know, what we have talked about before on these podcasts too is how, how our um, speakers are developing their brand. And I think that's something that is very curious um, that I would like to talk with you more. You know, you've, you've really created um, a name for yourself and I'll, I'll also note, um, you know, People Magazine even. So all sorts of different uh, periodicals and genres have cited to you, including People Magazine, the conscious uncoupling how-to. And so how, how is it that you get your name out there, that you're getting <laughs> science um, as well as um, being picked up by media sources? So um, I just keep going. I feel really passionate about the positive divorce movement. Growing up with parents who were divorced and being told that <clears throat> I was you know, a, a broken, from a broken home, that, that whole idea is so anathemic to me. And, um, and when you consider the fact that literally 50% of all people are either divorced or from a divorced family or have divorced siblings. I mean, it, when you start putting that all in there, it's like basically all of us are somehow touched by divorce, if not personally by somebody close to us. Um, we shouldn't, we really need to start smashing the stigma. And I, just feel really passionate about it. And when I notice that there is a, um, an opening to discuss it and bring it forward and give other practitioners and individuals and coaches support to, to do the same work, that's the only way change is gonna be made. And so I think that the content and the message really resonates for people. And I think that that's why it's getting the attention that it Sure. Well, so let, let's get particular here, right? So um, in, in terms of, let's say, people or even the New York Post and them picking, um, picking up your techniques, um, is it a way that you're pushing content out there, whether it's on a blog or other public source that they're hearing about it? You know, it's, it's really hard to say, like, you know, I, I've been quoted by the New York Times. I was interviewed last week by the Washington Post. I, I feel like it sort of takes on a life of its own after a while. Um, I think that I developed the method and then I wrote the book and HarperCollins published it. So they sort of put out some feelers and then I followed up um, with those feelers. And, um, you know, LinkedIn has been absolutely incredible. I've met unbelievable professionals on LinkedIn. I've met editors and writers and um, it's just, it's, it's really, 
it's been nothing short of magical. I really believe a lot in act, being an active visionary, which I know is a little woo-woo for lawyers um, to hear about, but you know, I, it's part of the, the better part method in so far as clarity. You know, there's, in divorce, there's a lot of blame. And I talk a lot about stepping outside of the blame game where we put up ex reasons, excuses, if you will, for why things are happening. And we do that not only in the context of divorce, we do that in our own life. Like, oh, well, my book wasn't a success because that darn publisher didn't do what they were supposed to or be, you know, we make up reasons. I didn't have a budget. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. But the fact of the matter is by, by really clearly having a vision and sticking with it, you can really do anything. So I don't know. I mean, my book is still not where I see it going. It's not, it hasn't reached the hundreds of thousands of people whose lives I hope that it touches. Um, but one day at a time, I just respond. I'm very responsive to people. And um, as you know, Rick, I'm very tenacious. If you don't call me right away, I'm going to be like, hey, are we talking today? <laughs> great, which is great because that's what you need. Let's talk about your mediation brand, right? How do you find you're getting, um, you're getting your clients so through referrals um, or even LinkedIn? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's referrals. I think it's word of mouth. Some people hear me on podcasts around the country because I do mediate online. People hear about my mediation services. Um, you know, before I had my book, it was really very much word of mouth. I did work for a judge, so I have resolved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not at least a thousand divorces already 15 years ago, and now I've been in private practice all this time. So I have a lot of experience and a great level of success around um, mediating divorces. So I feel like the cases kind of just come to me. I don't know. I don't, people have always asked me how I get my cases and I, you know, I say, Oh God, but I mean, I, I really, I, can't, I wish I had a, a formula to, to teach you, but I don't. No, fair enough. You know, um, you have the luxury of the cases incoming. So, uh, carry on. Well, I have a question. Let's reframe, um, being chair of the young professionals, co-chair of the young professionals. Uh -huh. committee. Um, so I'm really curious about empowerment and young professionals. Um, and so this dialogue perhaps we can have on how do we reduce the stigma and the animosity around divorce? You know, having been a child of divorced parents, you know, you have a very keen perspective into that. Um, and so one, in the first instance, how do we reduce the stigma? And then the second, is is it about a radical sort of reframing process? Like Absolutely. we get there. You nailed it. Yeah. In fact, I go into law schools um, and I do a, a one-off course called um, Zealous Advocacy in the Context of Family Law because I just think that people don't think of family law as a whole different thing. You know, th th these are people with children. And when it comes to, uh, like, young lawyers, young people, um, understanding that, that there is a sense of shame because everybody can see when you're divorced, just know that you know, it's just, it's part of the human experience to have things in life not always work out perfectly. Um, and starting to shift how we view ourselves and knowing that everybody's life has twists and turns and it's how we navigate them that makes the difference, not whether or not we have them. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I wanna give you a chance to um, offer any further insights to to young professionals as well as those tuning in from the section um, on ADR. I know that's a very general thing, but I, I think 
the more that we can get folks to redirect to um, your book or to the other platforms that you're using to learn more, the better off we do. So any so, so, other insights? Yeah, so, so two things. So uh, first of all, anyone who works with clients divorcing, um, I, I do have a online masterclass, which is accessible through gabriellehartley.com. And it's a six week, but it does, it, it's a self-paced modular driven class, which really takes your client through their own internal process. Um, and it could be a wonderful support, even whether they're in therapy or they're not in therapy, it's a wonderful support to get them starting to think differently. And it, it's, it is the main points of the book delivered by video. And if they want to tune into exercises and it goes right to their inbox. So that's one thing. The other thing is for young practitioners who um, may be members, but are still litigating, you know, just knowing that even if you are litigating nine out of 10 times, if you focus on where there are points of agreement, you can close the cases and the divorce practice can really be a great practice. You can do a lot of good for people. You can really help people navigate through what, what is the hardest part of so many people's lives. Um, and you can really help them get through it better and help them um, help them help their children by letting them know letting them know that they're okay and that their life is going to be okay and that their estranged partner you know may or may not be doing the best that they can but how they are is is not about the person who's who's grieving so I'd say just to stay the course and know that um, that you can practice in an uplifted way. And anybody who wants to learn more about me or if you have questions for me, head over to gabriellehartley.com. Send me a message. You can find me on all kinds of social media. And I, I love to interact with young lawyers. I'm really excited about this. Um, and young mediators, any questions that you have about your practice or how to handle something with a client, definitely feel free to reach right on out to me. Fabulous. Gabrielle, thank you so much. This has been enlightening and uplifting. Uh, <laughs> to words, indeed, this idea of conscious uncoupling. Um, to our listeners, I want to say thanks for joining us today. And until the next installment of Resolutions, I'm Reka Rangachari. Thanks very much. And goodbye and goodbye to you, Gabrielle. Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>